Good morning, castaways, and welcome to Twists and Torches. My name is Cameron, and I am your host. And joining me, I, I told you, I told you we'd have guests back. Joining me today is my good friend, Matt. Matt, how are you? Good. How are you doing today, Cam? Oh, just just fantastic. Glad to, glad to have you on the show. Very exciting stuff and to break down this episode. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your survivor background, Matt? Uh, anything you want to share? Yeah, so I know this has been a few weeks coming now, just kind of busy in the holidays. So, you know, I'm glad to finally make it on. So I would say when it, Survivor first started, it's kind of like, you know, the classic, I think our age, um, just watching with your parents because it's brand new, nothing else like it. And there's nothing else like kind of similar to it. Uh, growing up, like a house in Maine, going in the woods and starting fires. I mean, it's basically all like you grew up kind of doing. So seeing people doing that and playing games is kind of just like, as a young kid, it's kind of all I understood. I didn't really understand the social aspect of the game yet. I was only like, what, like five probably. So didn't really understand that. So I really got into it. Um, and then I kind of stopped watching for a little bit. Um, and then I kind of started watching getting college with some of my roommates. And then it kind of stopped again. And then during COVID uh, and quarantine stuff, kind of just rewatched almost every season. Um, it was kind of one of my goals, kind of just go through them in order. And I got hooked and just kind of just running through the gauntlet of them. And plus, there's plenty of seasons and episodes to crush plenty of time. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely a nice hybrid. Um, I know some folks who got into Survivor just during quarantine, but you had it before, and then you, which is great. So, so from May, so you're a, a May night, right? Did you uh, prefer Bob Crowley or uh, Dan Foley in terms of your main contestants? Dan Foley. I mean, I'm definitely still, a, <laughs> I'm still a Boston guy, but like Dan yeah. Foley. <laughs> he was, uh, he was quite the character. He was, he All was right. something. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, we're going to jump into this episode. It was a good one. Uh, they're just throwing out fire in back-to-back episodes, which was which was good to see. Uh, so at the top of the episode, uh, we start out predictably with uh, the aftermath of the Shan boot. And Liana, uh, she's still a little bit left out. She's talking to Danny and Deshaun like, guys, what the hell? What, what happened? Uh, and it, she seemed... Uh, a little bit taken aback that she was suddenly on the bottom that i mean she was like she would not listen to anyone and what they wanted to say she was just pissed off and thought everyone was out for her without like i feel like giving them a good chance to explain what was happening and i don't think um i think on that note it's also kind of one of those things where um where shannon was one of her best friends as we've seen before so i think her leaving definitely was just kind of like a she almost felt stabbed like it was herself leaving. Yeah, having uh, your closest ally go is, is never easy. In this particular situation, she had some people to get mad at because Shan pretty much threw De- uh, Deshaun under the bus at the end of the last episode, calling him a snake. And that is a, a kind of a pain point that actually comes up in this episode uh, where Deshaun uh, takes it upon himself to kind of call Ricard out, like, hey, man, that was your move. And you just kind of were like, yeah, I'll take the vote. Uh, I guess Deshaun is, uh, is to blame. And uh, that aggressive kind of play against Ricard in front of multiple people kind of backfired. And Ricard kind of kept his cool. And, of course, they then had a conversation afterward. And everybody else kind of looking at Deshaun like, wow, he's he's a little off the rails here. What What's going on with that? Yeah, I feel like in this episode, especially, uh, we'll get probably more into other characters, but he was, um, everyone kind of showed a different side. I think it's one of the first times where you had multiple characters kind of showing another side to them, um, whether they want to or not. I mean, 
you're out in the elements for what there was day 17 or night 17 i believe the beginning of the episode um so when that comes in into play and you're starting to see who people actually are i mean it's tough i mean i haven't been stuck in the elements for that long and haven't been in that situation and when you're getting blamed for something that wasn't you what are you supposed to do <laughs> yeah definitely well i will say for deshaun i have a, a soft spot for him he was my winner pick at the beginning of the season uh, and so I've been kind of pulling for him and I feel like he gave a confessional where he's very self-aware. Uh, and this is something that they often show in some of the better social and strategic players is they admit when they make a mistake with someone and they kind of outline steps in a confessional, usually to fix it or to say, Hey, that was my bad. Uh, probably not the best idea to call out Ricard there. And Sean admits that. So he's kind of admitting like, Hey, like I have my faults. I, I'm not perfect. Uh, and that's something that they definitely, uh, definitely, I agree with you that they showed multiple kind of sides to characters, even with minor moments or like characters who weren't as significant to the course of the episode. Uh, we got a little bit of everybody, which is, I, I like when they get to this point in the game where there's so few people that you can experience everyone in one episode, no matter what, uh, what's going on. Yeah. They did feel like we're kind of breaking down more of where everyone stands. Um, I feel like if you told me like two, three episodes ago, like draw, draw like a web map of who is where and like where I think, I don't know. But I think right now I think I have a general idea of for the most part where most people are aiming. Um, and I think another thing to bring back is when they get back to camp is as much as Liana's pissed, um, how happy Xander is for the first time. I think it's another key factor in this episode is Xander. Yeah, definitely. And in his confessional opening this episode, he says final four, like he had never heard that term before. He is shocked that he's even close. He still has an idol and an extra vote at the top of the episode. He's flying high. He found kind of a new group and maybe he's ingrained himself with them, uh, even though it's, it's a bit loose and maybe they're not all that tight like bonded. It's definitely a different look for Xander that he actually feels like he's on top of things in the game. He's He's been pretty positive throughout, even when things were rough, but it's hard to believe that he came from being three to one on Yasa without a vote to where we are now. So good for Xander. Very happy for him, for sure. Yeah, his overall character turnaround has been insane um, and almost kind of almost under the radar for a little bit there. Yeah, great, great to see. Love to see an underdog story, especially coming from that Yasa Turtle tribe. So the next segment that we get is a very emotional one, Matt, and, and from a character that we haven't really seen too much emotion from, uh, and that that being Danny, uh, who, you know, the segment opens and there's this music and you kind of get the feeling that things are a little bit uh, emotional or strained in some way. And then uh, Danny's kind of sitting there, he's eating a little bit of rice. And then, you know, we cut to a confessional where he's opening up about how today is a particularly difficult day. And of course, they do keep track of the days. So he would know when he's going out for day one, what the date is and you know. Um, and he's talking about how it's the 25th anniversary of the passing of his father. And he specifically mentions that normally when he's at home, he tries to distract himself. But, but out there on the island, there's not a lot to do. So people get really, there are some boring times, especially when you get this late in the game, you already have your shelter, you have your daily routine and everything. So it's, it's really difficult to distract yourself from something when you have that kind of weighing on your mind. And, and we see him struggle with that uh, in this episode. Yeah. It's uh, it's one of those things that like we're saying is they show more sides to a character. I mean, he, Danny, we know is the probably the biggest, strongest guy left in the game, even probably the entire game. Um, hasn't really showed too much emotion. He was an NFL player. Um, 
kind of, you know, his grit and determination. And for him to kind of just open up and have that softer side, it was kind of just like, I don't know, you had to get a step back and you go, okay, like everyone's human. Yeah. And, and it was not what I expected. Um, his kind of theme of the episode was, and he opens up about this, is that he was actually angry at his father from a young age for uh, essentially the accident that happened with him because he felt like he didn't kind of understand, obviously at the age of seven or eight, understand the full magnitude of what had happened to someone that was very important to him, obviously. And so now he says, having the opportunity to reflect as an adult, especially coming out here on Survivor and having to kind of face it head on on this day, that he's kind of changing. And, and we see this two more times throughout the episode. We get a little bit more, and it, the episode really wraps up kind of this little story bit that we haven't really seen before on the season. And obviously we don't know if it comes up again, but I thought that it was interesting that this segment, he explains it perfectly and says, and then later on in the episode, it, it kind of resolves itself in a way. Yeah. It's also one of those things, you know, in every season, they kind of talk about how you grow. It's, you know, when the families come to visit in prior seasons and they kind of like, Oh, you've changed so much and you have different perspectives. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this is kind of a unique twist on showing how perspectives changes in real time. And I thought that was kind of a cool way to do it. And um, a really nice way to kind of give him as, as like a, like a nod to Danny and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely a good moment. I feel like, especially the last few episodes, they've really emphasized these character moments like we've discussed. And for me, that's survivor. It's all about characters, whether the character is doing something goofy and like hilarious, or it's them being very raw and very vulnerable. Some of the best confessionals in history are snarky comments. And some of the best ones, in history are really emotional moments um, that where survivor and life intersect. And that's kind of the beauty of the show. And Jeff has his cheesy way of saying it about, oh, it's a social experiment. But it, I mean, he, he says it in a ridiculous way, but what he's saying has a lot of truth to it. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, I feel like Jeff this season more than a lot of others is definitely kind of stepping up and being a lot more in the forefront of talking. Um, I think we're going to get more into that um, as we go through this episode. That's a perfect segue because right after this, we get Jeff monologuing again and telling us about this scary new twist. He says, it's very dangerous. It's, it's the monster, Matt. It's, it's the monster. It's coming. And he is kind of explaining the twist. So I heard, I, I will admit, I usually stay away from spoilers, but I did see some rumors about this twist and it made me very nervous and it played out kind of how I had heard but I was, I was a little bit worried when he said, you're risking your game by playing immunity. And then, of course, he brought the, the contestants in. And obviously, we're going to break down this twist. But, but what was going through your head at this moment? Were you, were you nervous? Were you, uh, did you feel like it wasn't really in the spirit of the game? Or was it just more season 41 throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what it sticks? It was almost one of those weird ones where, so I, I had a DVR, so I watched it, but I can kind of skip all commercials and everything. And it was one of those things where there wasn't really a cutscene for that section, which I thought was interesting. So it almost seemed like for me, it went from him saying this to directly them walking out. So there wasn't really <laughs> too much time to like sit there and go, okay, what's about to happen? Because I feel like within um, the next minute and a half, we found, we were getting, we got told more about it. Um, but at first I was just kind of like, what do you mean sacrifice your game? Like what, like, with seven people left, who would want to like leave now? Right. Like, and like, so I've always been like a big fan of like the challenge and stuff. And that's usually a show that does a lot of stuff like this, or we'll have like 
a lot of risk it for like a cash prize, a cash prize somewhat way through the way. And I'm really glad to see that that wasn't like a thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a little bit of the challenge here. I know that this season I've joked that it's borrowed from Big Brother, but this seems to be kind of a, a challenge twist where, oh, if you lose, you're out, uh, which is a little bit little bit nuts. But we did get a little uh, funny moment from Erica where she says, hi, Jeff. <laughs> he makes a comment. Oh, yeah. Um, Her and Heather were some good morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always, uh, always a treat when the contestants are a little bit uh, casual with Jeff. It's, it's funny. So... One thing I was surprised by is that it's not just if you, you know, if you win the, if you go out first in the challenge, obviously you're going to have to do this do or die. So the first person out is going to have to essentially play a game of chance. And Jeff says that up front, it's a game of chance, which I appreciated. I, I liked that he didn't say it was a game because then maybe someone would be thinking, oh, I could, I could beat this. I'm good at little puzzles or whatever. And it's it's interesting that that's kind of the way that it was presented because to me it was I was thinking oh like there's no reason to play immunity but then when he said if you actually win the game of chance you're safe then it's a little bit more like okay like it's not the absolute end of the world if you get this thing it's not all bad necessarily because someone in trouble could get this thing and potentially be safe for one more tribal. Yeah, my original thought, I mean, I guess we can probably talk about it more when we get towards the um, towards the end, but I was thinking it was going to be like, you have to play the shot in the dark, but it's not to lose a vote, it's to lose the game, was my original thought when they were before the, like, before travel started, was my initial thought when, like, when this was happening. Right, and I will say, I was very surprised that five people chose to participate in the challenge. I really thought it was going to be the other way around. I thought we were going to be seeing like a Liana and Deshaun showdown. Like I thought that those were going to be the two because everyone else knows that like those two are kind of on the chopping block. Maybe Danny would have played. I know he's said in the past that he always wants to compete and never wants to just give up. Um, but in terms of like, I was surprised that Ricard played. I was very surprised that Erica played. Uh, it just didn't seem like the smart choice, at least from my perspective, because I'm thinking like, I don't want, I'd rather get voted out and have all of the people just write my name down six to one than a coin flip deciding my fate in the game. I think one of the biggest ones too is going to be Xander. I mean, Jeff mentions that you cannot use an idol in anything in there. If you lose, you have the possibility of leaving the game and can't be saved. He hasn't, he has a hidden immunity idol. He is the one I would, I'm surprised considering that he has no need to play the game. He, if he wants to be safe for this limit, like, uh, for this vote, he can be safe. Yeah, very surprising for Xander to play as well. Maybe he felt confident seeing the challenge that he would be able to do it pretty well. And he did. He ended up going fairly far. I think he, well, they, they essentially, him and Ricard dropped at the same time. So kind of second place. Um, so yeah, he was pretty confident that he would do okay at the challenge. And that's kind of what ended up happening. So maybe that was his reasoning for trying to give it a shot and winning immunity to save his idol. So when I was, I rewatched the second time. Um, and this is where I think it was interesting when they had the, was it the gray or white rock and a red rock mm -hmm. one you're playing one you're not. Um, and Jeff says, make sure you take a look before. So you know, which one's which, um, I think Xander is actually gonna be the only one that doesn't look really Xander, Xander keeps both palms down. Doesn't flinch Danny. I, um, so Deshaun, I can't tell his arms are behind his back, but he starts to move his arms as the camera cuts. But the entire time, everyone else has palms up, open, and 
Um, Xander, if you rewatch that one scene particularly, his hands locked, closed, not looking, just he knows what he's doing. So I think he wins that most confident. Wow. Interesting. So anyway, so what ends up happening is Liana and Heather actually end up sitting and they explain later that I didn't think I had a chance at this. I didn't want to risk the punishment essentially. So uh, probably a smart move uh, on their part to, to avoid that if they felt like they weren't going to win. So it's that challenge where it's like a couple of Lincoln logs and a marble and they have to like hold it together and like the pressure keeps the marble. But if they like break for a minute, it's going to fall. Um, they've done this challenge quite a few times. A lot of balance oriented, like endurance style challenges this season, Matt. Not too many obstacle courses or puzzles for the individual portion. I was surprised that for a do or die challenge where the loser has a big punishment, that this was going to be the challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this one is definitely one that plays to some um, strengths of other players. Um, I think I would have guessed that Danny is a stronger player and Ricard is kind of like a almost Yogi like guy would do very well in these. Um, I was kind of hoping or expecting it to be one of the puzzles where it's like, you have to balance bricks and hold a rope. And if you pull too tight or too little, it falls. Mm-hmm. I was looking for something a little more difficult with a lot of resetting. Um, right. Just because the loser is that big of a punishment. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's hard because of this twist is kind of limiting and what kind of challenge they can pick, unfortunately, where it has to be either like some kind of endurance or like a knockout style thing. But like they usually knock out like multiple people in like each round first uh, challenges with multiple stages. So maybe that wouldn't work too well. Um, So unfortunately a little bit limited. So what ends up happening um, is Danny wins this immunity on, on this day, which is very important to him. And he, um, you know, kind of gets down on his knees and is very emotional on this win. And it was, it was a big deal for him, not just in the game, but also personally that he could do what he said. And, and he says this is that he, he felt, feels like that he made his dad proud. So uh, a big payoff from kind of the segment that we saw earlier with him it's winning. The also his first individual immunity win for the, of the season, yes. which is also pretty good. And then even then is the, even the whole cast reaction. I mean, Erica, Heather, and all of them were, everyone was very happy for him, which is always nice mm-hmm. to see everyone kind of coming together around a common thing. Yeah, I get the sense that this cast is very close uh, as people. Obviously, in the game, they have to make the decisions that they make, but it, it does give me the sense that they really are all like one tribe, whereas sometimes there is a lot of animosity in a merged tribe. This one, I don't get that sense. I, I feel like they all really get along, at least to some degree. Maybe like Xander and Liana have their little scuffles and, uh, you know, Shan before she was voted out and Ricard had their issues. But overall, I feel like they, they really do care about each other. Um, which is nice to see. You know, I completely agree with that. Um, there's not, you don't really have that arguments or something. I can't stand this person. I can't, like, I need to get them out or I can't sleep near them. Um, everyone kind of talks to everybody within the camp, it looks like. Um, even the background of shots or when they're sleeping arrangements, who's kind of laying near each other. Um, mm-hmm. Like you're saying, you're not getting that animosity that you're getting from past seasons of just pure hatred. And a lot of times it's just a lot of miscommunication or not talking, but it's not like just disgust. Yeah, definitely. And and one other thing, I, I believe that this episode, Danny became the most successful professional athlete that we've had on Survivor. Oftentimes they go out. I want to say, I, I can't remember exactly. Guatemala is not my strong suit, but I want to say that Gary Hogan went out seventh or eighth. So uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Danny's now the most successful pro athlete that we've had. 
Um, we've had some other semi-famous people. Uh, Mike White, of course, went pretty far. But in terms of athletes, um, I believe it's him. Scott Pollard was um, was early merge, and uh, Cliff Robinson was pre-merge. Um, and I don't think we've had uh, oh Alan Ball was also pre-merge. So we've had we haven't had much success. So it's nice to see that. Uh, he can kind of, I think that they're aware that it was a tribal where Jeff kind of alluded to his profession with him going into arenas earlier. So I think that he changed his beat from the beginning of the season where he wasn't going to tell them. And he's kind of opened up about it, um, which I, I think is cool to see that, that that's not all there is to him that we're seeing a lot more. Yeah. I mean, it's always going to be one of those tough things going in is do you tell people you're a professional athlete? Um, Cause one, everyone's going to assume you're rich. It's going to be the first thing. Hmm. And two, you're going to be in good shape. Right. Um, those are kind of just two things where it's like people won't want to give you the million dollars and people don't want to play you in immunity uh, idol challenges. So that's kind of one of those double-edged swords. Um, but Danny's been playing this game very well, kind of under the radar, not nothing too crazy. He's not begging for attention, which I feel like has gone um, wrong for other professional athletes or rich people who have entered the show. It's he kind of is laid back and kind of just going with the flow, which is kind of, which is a nice technique to see. Yeah. And he didn't tell everyone he was a landscaper when he definitely wasn't. So that's uh, another plus in the Danny column. So very, very smart play by him. All right. So Danny is going to be immune and uh, we forgot to mention it, but Deshaun actually goes out very, he, he went out in like the first segment of this thing, which I didn't even know was possible. So uh, he must've just slipped up or something, but he's going to end up getting this do or die uh, mini game or, or punishment, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. That just seemed like a really weird situation just in the moment. Like it was like, it started and they're like, all right, Deshaun's out. It's like, wait, did he try? Or like, what was that? Was he doing this on purpose? Yeah, maybe he did. Like, if you, if you want to get into, like, conspiracy theories, he didn't seem too phased about it. Like, when he was back at camp, he was like, oh, it is what it is. So is it possible that he lost on purpose to get a 50-50 shot at immunity, essentially? I, I wouldn't count it out that that was one of his big shots. I think when it comes down to the game, he might be able to say he could probably possibly defend himself and say, my biggest move was sacrificing my game to stay safe through the one, like um, – vote that I may not have got through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it would, it, it, if it pans out, it's brilliant because you essentially get a free immunity necklace for an episode and it might get you close enough that, I mean, there are other big threats in the game. So just because he was the one that got called out by Shan doesn't necessarily mean he's going to have to go every time just this particular time. He's the biggest target. So if you buy yourself a week or a tribal, maybe you survive till the end. So uh, ultimately, if, if you use that twist your advantage in that way, good for you. We may never know if he threw it. Uh, I, I feel like maybe not. He might he probably, they probably would have shown it in like a confessional or something, but um, it's possible that he, that he did. We'll, we'll never know. Yeah. I mean, it's all right. all things. I mean, we haven't gone over the vote yet, but I think we've kind of hinted at what happens. Yes. <laughs> so um they're going to go back to camp and it's a very brief segment. We don't get a whole lot of back and forth. It's fairly obvious that Liana is targeting Ricard because it's kind of the only option. So she is trying to get her former allies, Danny and Deshaun on board, as well as 
Uh, they're trying to pull in Xander to see if they can get Ricard out. Ricard is a big threat. He's won a couple of challenges. So it's understandable that he would be the target for Liana, who feels on the bottom. The other plan is the Ricard, Heather, and Erica plan to eliminate Liana. So those are the two options, essentially. And there's a couple of conversations that we get, but nothing super insightful beyond what we really knew, Matt. No, the only thing I would say I thought was crazy is how much Xander's trusting of Ricard. Mm-hmm. Um, when he openly is telling him and is just like, I'm on your side, it's Erica. I'm not sure if we need to, if we can trust fully. Um, where it almost then seems like Erica is going to be the swing boat, depending on which side. Um, and I was just surprised that Xander almost put all his eggs in one basket very quickly. Right. And I mean, at this point in the game, when you're this few people, you have to trust someone. So maybe that's what Xander's kind of doing. He knows he can't trust Liana. So that's out. And this kind of group of three is the one that I suppose makes sense. So even though maybe trusting Ricard isn't the best thing, is it his only option? It's, it's possible. So because we got that very short segment, the challenge was also pretty early. And I, I know you watched that at recording, but I was watching it live and I was watching the clock and I thought there's no way that Deshaun gets sent home. There has to be enough time for a vote because there was still like 25 minutes left before nine o'clock when we were going into into tribal and i thought well it's going to be a longish tribal but also they have to do the this the mini game and then there is going to have to be a vote afterward like there's no way because there was just too much time but as we inch closer to it because of how long the conversation was at tribal i started to get nervous i was like oh no like it's possible that they're faking us out and that they are going to have and deshaun is going to end up going home to this silly twist so yeah, it's it surprised me. It, yeah, um, we're gonna get around to it, but like I keep saying, but it was one of those things where even me, because like obviously recording, you still see how much time is left. And so, like mm-hmm. when I hit fast forward, I was like, "There's still how much time left before the end of this episode?" Like on the recording, yeah. like, I was like, "I was like, this seems like a something weird's gonna happen, or this is gonna be like the world's longest game." Right. Like, I, and- I, I, I was kind of thinking that this do or die game was going to be like a like some type of like concentration like you have 20 minutes to do something we have to watch all 20 minutes of it yeah definitely it's possible but I had this feeling that it was like a very quick choice I thought it was going to be the coin from winners at war where they just like do the big flip um that's with Jeremy the Jeremy thing um that's what I thought it was going to be and then it ended up being the Monty Hall problem which I think Jeff just wanted to do the Monty Hall problem. Um, but yeah, I was, and Xander just said that, that right away. Yeah, Xander, Xander he's like, oh, it's the Monty Hall problem. And no one else was listening to him. He's like, come on guys, from like, Monty, come on. <laughs> I think um, we may have at least one, maybe two survivor records at this tribal. So first of all, longest tribal probably, because it was about 25 minutes of like real time. So I think there were two commercial breaks. Um, between so the first one being before they go and then they had another before the game and so that was very long but then also the number of times they panned to shan i think is probably the record for the number of times they panned to a juror so even though shan was voted out last episode she still seems to be a central part of this game matt which was uh it was interesting yeah um they showed her a lot and her eyes and facial struck like expressions are definitely telling her side of her story without her talking. Um, Cause she, she was very actively reacting to what was being said and talked about. 
Yeah, it's it's hard, especially in the shortened format, because the jurors really don't have a lot of time to process. So to go from getting voted out to Ponderosa, they spend a little bit of time with obviously the other voted out contestants, they get some food, they do the weigh in, they do the health check and everything like that. So really, like she did not have a lot of time between her getting voted out in this tribal. I, I feel like when you're the most recent voted out juror, it still feels like you're kind of in the game because all of those people you were just in the game with. So it's hard to, to hear things like that. Uh, one of the first parts of tribal was the conversation between Deshaun and Ricard about, Hey, how did this Shan thing come about? Like, how did this plan come about? It was both of them and Ricard and Deshaun were both telling the truth, but Deshaun was basically saying, I went for Shan because she went for me. Like I didn't, it wasn't just out of the blue. So he was kind of trying to offend himself both to his tribe mates and to the jury that it wasn't a preemptive strike. It really was a, there was, there was some kind of tension that they were eventually going to go for each other probably very soon. Yeah. Like it wasn't a complete blind side. It was something that Shan should have at least seen somewhat coming considering that the name has come out of her mouth. Um, but to do that, I think Ricard played this very well is because I think it's one of those things people forget is even if you have a best friend in the game, you both can't win the prize. Mm-hmm. There's one winner or survivor. And at the end of the even day, if you, even if you meet your wife in the game, you both can't win the prize. There's only one winner. Yeah. So I think it's one of those things. It was really nice. I thought I really liked hearing that, like, you know, it's from the perspective. It's like, yeah, they're my best in the game, but like, we both know we can't win at some point. We do have to kill it. Like we do have to knock each other out. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I like, I like seeing that side of it because that's the real problem that I think sometimes gets overshadowed and everyone kind of plays the victim card of, oh, my best friend, like, betrayed me. And I kind of like Shannon on the same side, understanding that as well. I think where people get blindsided and just cry and fuss, and she kind of took it as, yeah, like, my go-to guy did backstab me, but it had to happen because if not, I would have done it to him. And I think it was really nice because we haven't really seen that in a while either. Yeah, and it is just a game, and the more, I guess... I feel like they have cast a lot of fans or relatively a lot of fans this season, people who actually have experience with the show, even if it's only a few seasons, like they know some things. And I feel like it's way easier for someone like that to, because they've had, they understand how it works. They understand that it's a game, but for someone who maybe is a little bit fresher and hasn't seen as much or isn't really a fan, it can really feel, cause this is your first exposure to the show. You don't really get it. And like, yeah, it's cool when you vote someone out, but then like when your friend betrays you, ah. Oh, it's it's brutal. So uh, definitely props to to all to Deshaun, Ricard, and Shan. Kind of with their reactions. Obviously, we can't hear her speak, but uh, you know them understanding that it is part of the game. And as much as it, it is personal because it's human to human, but the game, it, they manage to move past it and understand that it's completely separate from their personal relationship that they probably will have after the game is over. Yeah, you nailed it on the head with that. I mean, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> awesome. So uh, one other thing before, so this is a very uh, long tribal, uh, a heavy tribal, a very emotional tribal. So one other thing I wanted to point out because it's classic Xander <laughs> is him saying, uh, I think I believe it was, I like that this season defies our expectations of Survivor. And Jeff has the biggest grin on his face. He's like, yeah, I, I love it. The, the twists. And he was asking about the twist. And uh, Xander was like, oh, I love everything being crazy and different. And I just like rolled my eyes a little. I'm like, oh, Xander, I know you want probes to like you, but you don't have to agree with it. It's, it's a questionable twist at best. Let's be real. 
Yeah, and once again, it's for someone who has a, a very smart background and stuff, and is like a, is he a programmer or an engineer of some sort? I think he's like an app developer, right? Uh, I think I that's what it says on his cryon. Yeah, he's an app developer. So right there alone, it's like, so this is like, yeah, he's playing that card, but he's not an idiot. Like, he's not like, <laughs> it, just, it just throws me off every time. He wants to come back for another season, Matt. Jeff, he wants Jeff to like him. All right. So we're going to get into it here. And this was one of the, I want to say that sometimes when the show tackles real world stuff, uh, it gets a little bit preachy, especially when Jeff uh, is a little too involved when he's kind of trying to drag stuff out of the players. But I do think that this particular bit of tribal was very much the players telling their own stories. And we heard from most of the tribe uh, about this, this subject. Um, so we're, we're prompted into this, uh, this part of tribal where the game is really intersecting with real life. And that is the interesting part of survivor where the, the morals and the gameplay are intersecting. And Deshaun starts it off with getting very emotional there. They were talking about the Shan situation. Um, and he said it was very, it was so hard to vote Shan out and he didn't want to do it. He wanted to do something, you know, for the culture as he had talked about in the previous episode, but at the same time, he has to look out for himself in the game. So that's where his, his dilemma was. And he really had to essentially fight with himself to, to, to end up doing that vote. And so that probably was why it was so hard for him when Chan said that after tribal. And then when he confronted Ricard and it didn't really work very well. Uh, and he said that it's, it's hard to vote someone out like me that has a similar experience because we're out here for a little bit more than just the game uh, that we're burdened with something a little bit beyond just because of the history, not only in survivor, but also in the real world. Uh, so definitely he gets emotional and it's completely understandable that he's telling this story. Uh, it was definitely a hard thing to talk about on national TV. Yeah. I mean, especially because I know earlier, I think you covered it in an earlier podcast when Ricard, I believe it was, and they said, guys, come on out. And they asked him to remove the guys, just be, come on out. Um, it's definitely, it's problems that they need to fix and have come up before. Um, I'm not surprised it happened now. And like you were mentioning with Deshaun, it is one of those situations where you have to play the game of survivor for yourself. If you play looking out for someone else, you're not going to win. Um, and it just came down to one of those really tough situations at a tough time. Um, but I think I think he made the movie he had to make. I don't think he could have done anything different there. Um, but like you were saying, bringing with race and people of color they've gone over, um, this is probably one of the more diverse um, juries and final six we've had. Mm -hmm. You'd say five or six of the, uh, or no, four or five of the final seven. You have a lot of diversity this season. And I think it's great to show for a growing show I mean, it's hard to say growing, but I think the pandemic, it definitely got another boost in audience. Right. Yeah. And, and definitely, I know Liana specifically talks about that, about the fight that, and Deshaun mentioned as well, the fight that happened outside of the game from former contestants and producers and everything to get a, a set amount of diversity in the game. And for me personally, um, I was a little bit nervous because sometimes if you have like a quota for something, it can limit your casting choices. 
But what I what I didn't think about was just how many people apply for the show of like all different kinds of people. So you're always going to find because every season there's a casting dud or two. This one's been pretty good. There have been very few like forgettable people. Maybe like the first couple episodes, there were some people that went home, but they were there were some memorable characters in the pre-merge and uh, obviously now. So this is, has been one of the better casts that they've had in a little while, obviously very diverse. And I know that Liana especially has a very emotional and, and I want to point out that Liana is 20 years old and she is so eloquent on when she's starving and in the rain and on national TV. And at 20 years old, she manages to deliver just an absolute poignant point about how, and she mentioned specific real world examples and how difficult 2020 was. Uh, I read somewhere that they actually were marooned while the Derek Chauvin trial was going on. So they didn't actually know the results of that. So the the George Floyd situation was still, uh, I, I mean, obviously it's still not resolved. Like people are still talking about it, but in terms of the legal situation was still ongoing when they went out there. So it's probably fresh on her mind as well uh, as, as some of the other contestants that it's still something that that's going on in their world. And for her to manage to articulate that in this situation, not only was impressive, but I feel like it was a, it was an important conversation for the show to have um, with its audience that at, at points, and she points this out as well, may be resistant to this type of conversation. Yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, she mentions that she goes to Georgetown, which we all know is a very, very hard school to get into. Um, it kind of shows that she is, so she is very smart and highly educated. So like when it comes down to it, I mean, I'm not saying that she's smarter than say Danny or an NFL player or anything like that, but I mean, saying she has the academic background in a, from a prestigious school or at least attend, well, like still attending, um, that she's probably gone through and seen and has written about this and probably has more research and more like today knowledge of what's going on and what they're trying to change is like a new generation coming up. Because she'd still be a Gen Zer. Right. Yeah. She's very, very young, younger than the show, actually, which is is insane. Um, her and JD as well from from the pre-merge, both 20, uh, which is just wild to me. Uh, I still feel like they're older than me just because I'm seeing them on my TV, even though I'm in my 20s, um, which is is kind of interesting. But yeah, I just I was very impressed by her. Um, whereas previously, maybe not as much with her gameplay, but in terms of her uh, ability to do that was just very um, very impressive. And, and I think that her point about the audience maybe being resistant and they're like, oh, I don't want to like have to deal with this because I just want to watch my favorite show. Well, your favorite show is about real people. It's not scripted. It's not a sitcom written by some guys who went to UCB and know how to write comedy. Like it's real people out there in a difficult situation where things like this are going to come up. So it's, it's really unavoidable. I understand to some degree, because like I said, Jeff can get a little preachy and can kind of try and pull. Um, Island of the Idols in particular had a lot of conversations that I feel like Jeff like purposely tried to orchestrate and maybe they weren't organic. Um, but this, this felt very real and very raw to me. No, I think this was very well done. Um, I also kind of like that it kind of wasn't really preluded to and kind of just came naturally. Mm -hmm. um, the way kind of with Deshaun and Shannon, the voting... Um, it kind of came a little more naturally flow. It wasn't, didn't seem like it was too forced or thrown down our throats, which I thought was a good way to go about it. Right. And, and definitely um, we hear from most of the tribe here. Um, we hear from Danny as well. Jeff asked him about it and he was talking about how it, it is kind of like what we've been saying, that it's an important conversation to have on a show like this. And he talks about how close this group of people are 
Um, and he later went after Xander talks and Xander is, you know, he's a little emotional. You can see it on his face. And Jeff asks him like, why the emotion Xander? And he says, well, I, I can't understand, like, I care about these people, but I don't understand this extra burden that they're talking about because of, of who I am and the privilege that I have to not have to worry about it is, is how he frames it. And so Danny reaches out and he basically thank, thanks him for, for saying that and for being who he is. Um, and, and then we also hear from Heather who basically admits like, Hey, I don't, this is a lot of this is new to me. It's, I have a lot of learning to do. Um, and, and I thought that that was one thing that I was glad to hear. Um, we actually get like a real moment from Heather, which is kind of rare this season. Um, we get very little of her and then we get like a little gameplay and then she disappears again. So yeah. One can't believe she's even in the final seven forgot she was there, but two, <laughs> Yeah, she's 52 years old. I mean, she's by far the oldest still there. And she's a white woman from the South. Um, so to kind of get that perspective and everything else is kind of like, kind of just brings it all around for what's going on in the country in general. Yeah, and they they found a way to frame this conversation. I wouldn't be surprised if Eric and Ricard spoke during this. It's just they chose that, you know, the tribal was so long, they could only put so much in. And I thought that they chose the appropriate moments to really give a, a wide perspective to everybody watching and give the, the people on the screen a voice, um, whether that's Danny, whether that's Xander, whether that's Deshaun, everybody had the opportunity to kind of speak their mind. And it it really was outside of the game for a moment because it started with a discussion with the Shan boot and why it happened. But it it there was no gameplay in it at all until Jeff said, this is Survivor, but they were just people sitting on logs. Just they happened to be there and they were having a conversation. Yeah. And even speaking of that, I'm actually, I feel like Shan definitely had a lot to say and would want to, um, but she's part of the jury. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad that they didn't break that barrier of letting a juror speak. Um, but I wish they almost gave her a cutout at the end. Um, or a follow-up scene or something. So I'm hoping right. that there was like a extra extended version where we get to see her, Ricard, Erica, and like even Nasir, who kind of, you know, moved to America, like in, or I don't know if he moved to America, but learned English to play Survivor and this and that. Um, right. So it would be interesting to see what the other perspectives are and what they have to say and like a little more of their raw reaction. Yeah, I know they tend to keep the Ponderosas fairly light, but it's entirely possible that Shan and Liana have a conversation. Oh, spoiler alert, Liana goes home. Uh, Shan and Liana have a conversation about that because it, it is important. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they showed a little bit, even on a Ponderosa video where usually they try to keep it a little bit fun. Um, maybe not the dragons fun, but uh, you know, sometimes they, they throw in a little bit of real stuff in, in the Ponderosas. So um, I was just happy that Jeff, I mean, he asked the right questions to like keep them talking, but he didn't like try to control the whole thing. So I'm proud of you, Jeff. I'm giving you a gold star for this episode. <laughs> so Matt, the most disappointing and the, the weirdest part of this episode, we have this great, very human, very real conversation. And then immediately afterward, we have to play this goofy game that probably shouldn't have even been a twist in the first place. I don't like this. I don't like this twist. I hate it. I think the game of chance is silly. Like if, if there was some way that they could do like an actual challenge to like show their merit, like what if they had to make fire? 
or they had to do like some other thing at tribal would have been so much better. There's a reason that we've only drawn rocks three times in 41 seasons because nobody wants to go home to random chance because it's awful. It's just very sad and nobody wants it. But to the same point is you didn't have to play. Um, you, you had a choice to avoid, you had a choice to avoid but not play the um, individual immunity game. Mm-hmm. Um, so you did have a choice to not have to do it. It's just that playing the game, there is a punishment. And I think it's one of those things in the time you don't really think about it, but then you're like, oh, wait a second. Right. Yeah. And that's the point that Jeff was making that if you feel confident in your relationships, you don't have to worry about it because you don't have to play. Um, But that was the case for nobody. And it's the final seven. So like, even if all six people are your best friend, you might be a big threat and go home. The only two people that sat out were people that said, hey, there's no way I'm winning this. So it's not worth the risk. So weird timing. Maybe if this was earlier, it would have made sense. But I think at the final seven, it's a little too late. Yeah. And even then it's playing the game. If five people play, that means you have a like what 80% chance that you're only 20, like only one person's not going to make it. So therefore 80% that you get through and you don't have to play this game. And then from there, we find out it's going to be a 33% chance during the chance game. So realistically looking at those odds, I do some sports gambling. I, t- I kind of like them. <laughs> it's still a little scary, uh, but either way. So Jeff goes, oh, I'll set it up. It's going to be this exciting game. Like, ooh, it's it's scary. And then he pulls out these like rinky dink little boxes and just puts them on the podium. Like there wasn't like a big fire or anything. Like it was just these little boxes. Yeah, it almost just looked like, like, like a, around the holidays, like little chocolates coming, like little tin boxes. I, I know that, you know, that if they're that star for budget, they should just ask Sia for money because she's always just giving it away. So like Jeff should just call Sia on the phone and say, Sia, our budget's running out. We got these little boxes. It's really lame. We need like a much more exciting way to do this. <laughs> yeah, the, I think the buildup in the conversation, I wonder if there could have been more and then they cut the way they cut ended the episode. Was that more of a conversation? Right. Um, and that's one thing we may not know. Um, but yeah, I agree. Is I was just like, oh, this is it. Right. So like I said, I was expecting a one and two, like a 50-50 coin flip. But then it was the, the boxes and it was the Monty Hall problem, which technically is a 50-50 because Jeff's always going to take away the... I know a lot of people had a conversation with probability about whoever they were watching with um, over this episode. Yeah. Um, but so Jeff is always going to take away a skull. So essentially that second choice is a 50-50. So technically speaking, it is a 50-50, but at the same time, it's not because the first choice is one in three. So it, it feels like a little bit less odds than I was anticipating originally, Matt. Yeah, no, it's definitely one of those things. I'm, I like that you didn't switch. I'm always going to want to see what go with your natural, go with your first instinct and don't, don't move. And I'm glad that's kind of what he did for this. Yeah. And technically speaking, it was the incorrect statistical like probability choice, but it paid off for him. It would have been very funny if it was like some Cochrane type, like some like guy who's obsessed with game theory and stuff. And he goes, oh, I know this. You have to pick the Like if you ever seen the movie 21, there's a scene where, um, they, they do this and he has to, if he picks correctly, he's on like the blackjack team or whatever. And uh, so some like statistical nerd 
would be like, oh, I know you have to switch. And then he had it the whole time. That would have been hilarious. But Deshaun goes, I'm sticking with my gut. And boy, did we dodge a bullet that one of the better, more power players in the game, in my opinion, managed to get lucky and not go home to random chance. I, I'm, we're very fortunate, I think, that this this twist kind of failed. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of just crazy. Um, just the fact that like, it was almost like a whirlwind of emotion um, because right after that, the almost goes and sits down and he goes, all right, it's time to vote. And there was no hesitation. Yeah. Which I thought was like, oh, okay. And it almost felt like the vote was an afterthought because everything was, so all of the twist and gameplay confessionals and what Jeff was saying was all about the twist and all of the humans were focused on that conversation. So the vote was kind of like, oh, that's right. We have this thing that we have to do in the game of Survivor. So it, it felt like an afterthought, especially it was very, it was a very quick vote. Like, like I said, I was watching the clock and there, it was like, 8.53 and usually they start voting at like 8.51 and because the I think the the last commercial was shortened before the preview because that started at like 8.58 so it, yeah it was it was very off-putting that the vote just kind of fell flat I felt like yeah and even from then it's just because how quick it happened I was kind of in my head I was like oh I can predict, I think I can predict this vote I think I could have guessed almost all the votes mm-hmm yeah, so what we end up with is a five to three vote where Liana goes home. So Xander played his extra vote on Liana just in case somebody flipped, I suppose. Um, and the other, the three minority votes were for Ricard. Um, so five to three. Um, and Liana, who, in my opinion, uh, was playing a little bit sloppily, um, was kind of had Shan to almost like hide behind as shield in a way, but also like a partner. Um, I thought she was very close to going home in that split tribal. She was lucky to survive that. Um, so I thought she was a great character. Maybe not the best survivor player, but in terms of as a character, I really enjoyed watching her, uh, especially for someone so young. I thought she was really, really interesting uh, in terms of gameplay and, and being able to, to watch her on screen. So I'll miss uh, seeing her on my TV, that's for sure. Yeah, she was awesome and definitely brought like a new, another personality to it. Um, I think kind of like, her and Shan versus Xander kind of like mode was, was kind of fun to watch. So I think it's going to lose, you know, lose that element a little bit. Um, but I think once again, it's going to open up the door for stuff to move. Moving pieces need to move for stuff to happen. Mm -hmm. Definitely. In the last few episodes, we've had that. I mean, there was the double tribal, so that kind of shook up the game. And then Shan, who was really the power player that was tying two groups of people together, and she went out and that kind of blew up. So definitely you need people to get voted out obviously to, to progress the game but the way that it's been going we really i have no idea who's really with who because we're down to six now like is is are they really just going to pick off danny and deshaun probably not like xander and erica are not going to just sit there and let ricard go to the final four i don't think so and i was going to say is with the liana one was it wasn't really much of a power move either i mean mm -hmm. danny's safe deshaun is safe Either you, on, either you flip on Ricard or you go to the safe vote with Leon. And I think for this time, it was take the safe vote on the quick vote um, off of the Deshaun do or die. And that's kind of what we got. Yeah. Boy, talk about uh, dud twists. Shot in the dark. Didn't, uh, didn't do much. I was very worried about it at the beginning. And all we got was one person who just didn't get to vote. Sydney at her boot. That was it. Nothing, nobody else played it. I'm sure Jeff was very sad, but 
didn't really uh, play a part in the season very much. I don't think they'll bring that back. I personally just don't think it made as big of a difference. I don't think the risk was worth the reward. I think a 33% chance you'd have more players doing it, but one sixth, that's not even, even one fifth, 20%. What do they have, like a 16 or 15% chance? It's like, I'm good to lose a vote. Yeah, ask Voce, he'll, he'll tell you the percentage. Um, but yeah, it was kind of a dud. It belongs with the medallion of power, in my opinion, in uh, dumb twists that they shouldn't bring back because they didn't really add much to the season other than having Jeff have to explain some stuff. So yeah, I, I'm glad that it's gone. Good, good riddance. I'm, I'm done with shot in the dark. Yeah, that was, I'm fine with that. All right, so we are really winding down here. We're down to the top six. There are two episodes to go. So we got next week, and then we have the finale, which is very interesting because I still think that we could be seeing a final two this season, Matt. I know it'd be a little tight, but next episode and then the finale will be down to five. Oftentimes we have finales with six, so it's possible. And just the uneven amount of the jury. The other theory is that I know like Jeff famously hates final twos and likes the final three. So maybe they're keeping an eight person jury to make it even because they love ties and they want another one. So either or, um, I think it's definitely different. We don't even know if we're getting the fire making it for. Like they haven't I, said it. I was That was in my notes. In my notes <laughs> I had. I, I really don't think they're going to do the fire making challenge. I hope they don't. I'm, I'm sick of it. I think it was great the first couple of years, um, but I don't don't think so. I think I really want the old jury format, like one question each back. Uh, the round table is interesting, especially when you have like Edge of Extinction, so there's like a 13-person jury or like even bigger. Like obviously it makes sense that there's not enough time to show in depth all the questions because they ask a question to every person. That's a lot. So if you multiply that by three, that's too many. But with a jury of eight, I feel like they could do it. I kind of want them to do it. I don't like the round table with the outwit outplay outlast. I feel like that's the slogan of the show, not how you actually win. So I'd love to see the one question for juror because those brought us some incredible moments over the years. Like some of the, the be- I mean, obviously snakes and rats is iconic or Trish asking Tony a question. We've had some funny ones like in Micronesia. So I want it back, Matt. I'm just saying it. I, I completely agree. And I think especially if you have like um, someone like Nasir, who's just a huge fan of the game and kind of knows people, I think Nasir would ask some great questions. I think kind of funny here and there. Shan would do some grilling on the pe- um, people in it. Yep. Um, some people make it a layup here and there, but I think some of like the thrown off questions would be great. Yeah, especially in the modern game where jurors really do evaluate them as game players. And I feel like it's not as personal as maybe it has been in the past. Um, I think I, I will say for the roundtable format, it does lend itself to that because everybody's having a conversation, but I feel like some voices can get drowned out, unfortunately. But I think that people take it less personally. They really do vote for the best player, um, which I, I think overall makes for a better game. I think most of the time, the person who wins is the person who deserves to win. Um, if I had to go down like a list of seasons, I'd pick maybe like four that I would say should have gone the other way, but I wasn't out there. I wasn't on the jury. So who, what do I know? I think it also comes down to like you're saying where it's more fans than we've had before who understand yeah. the game, who watch the game. And I think right there alone, I think we're going to, I think the vote is going to be exactly, or it's going to be favored towards where we expect it to go. Definitely. All right. Well, speaking of which, Matt, I'm curious 
Who is your current winner pick? Who do you think is going to take home that million dollars and the title of Soul Survivor in two weeks? I got to go with my boy Xander. Okay. I think he weasels his way through, and I think he, I, I see a few different paths that he can take to get there. Um, but he's also one of those guys where I think for him to actually be able to win Survivor, he almost would need to do one of those, be the bold guy that takes his chance against Ricard or someone else in a firing challenge for the last spot. I think he's that just to cement himself as the dominant player. Um, Cause I think he's been a little passive, mm-hmm. but I think he's had enough tools and kind of gone around and hasn't really stepped on too many people's toes either. Right. He, he has had a very low rate of being in control, meaning he, you know, he votes with the right side of the numbers. Very seldom has that happened. And obviously he was on board with the Shan vote, but I think that Ricard and Deshaun get most of the credit, but he has that idol. He has the potential to still like in the last couple of tribals really impress the jury. I can see it. It's entirely possible. So I, I don't blame you. That would be great. He can win win immunity idols. Mm. He can win immunity challenges. He's young. He's in shape. He's strong. I mean, he has the will. Yeah. And it's one of those things where he's not also tied to anyone where his vote's a little more elusive or if like him, Ricard and Heather, if him, Erica and someone else, it's like he could go and almost pick who he wants to be with. Yeah. He's the last remaining Yasa member. Yeah. So uh, we've got four Luvu left, one Yasa and one Ua. So uh, we're, we got, exa- I'm pretty sure that's the exact makeup that we had it i think it was six two to two when we I, also think, I think a yasa winner would just be like the ultimate like just a one of the great storyline <laughs> from one of the worst beginning tribes to a winner right would be i don't know i don't know if i can remember much like it in recent years yeah that that would be interesting i'm sticking with deshaun i've been saying it all along i had it from my cast assessment like not even the premiere i said deshaun okay. I did say Sarah, who went home second. So that I was wrong about. But Deshaun's still in it, and I'm, I'm pulling for him. He's my ride or die. Um, and I think that he's going to take it all. Uh, he's had some mistakes the last few weeks, but I hope that he can make up for it and, uh, and bring, home, bring home the crown. All right. I like it. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute blast. Is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners before we sign off? No, thanks for listening, guys, and uh, outwit, outlast, outplay. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, we will be back next week for our penultimate episode of Survivor 41, and I know I have been promising alternate content, and I I promise it's coming. Mike Renesia and Dave vs. Goliath, I I promise everybody I I will be talking about it. so we'll, we'll see what happens. I got some cool stuff planned for the off season as well. We'll see if I actually follow through. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, go ahead and subscribe on whatever podcast service that you use to listen. Uh, give us a follow. Uh, also on Twitter, it's at twists, the letter N torches. And be sure to share with a friend if you enjoyed. All right, everybody. Thanks so much and have a good one.